Hello, and welcome to Dream City Omaha. My name is Eric, and I want to thank you for joining us today. If this is your first time, please let us know by texting WELCOME to 402-383-1874. Now sit tight as service is about to begin. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. I um, get to do this special one-off series for you, sermon for you today. If you haven't been with us over the last four weeks, we have been through a series called Reborn. And I've been a Christian for a while, but that series was so amazing. If you have not gone and watched it, or if you haven't been here, I encourage you to go back and watch that because it rocked me and convicted me and, you know, all the good things that we love about Jesus. My name is Melissa Vandervelde. I am the Connect Team Leader here at Dream City Omaha, and I am married to the amazing worship pastor here, Andre Vandervelde. We have five children together, ranging in age from nine to almost 19. So I have been a mom for about 19 years. I know a few things. I don't know everything, but, you know, I can kind of speak to this Mother's Day thing, if you will, right? So, uh, does any moms out there detest doing certain things as a mom? Yes. Hey, okay, I'm not, I'm Pastor John too, like, I want some feedback, I want to hear that you're here. Wake up this morning for me, okay? So, does anybody detest doing some things as a mother? Yes! We have things. Yes, we love our children. Yes, it's all wonderful and sunshine and roses. But then there's some certain things that we just detest doing. One of those things that I detest doing is grocery shopping. Listen, when you have seven people in a household, the amount of money that you have to spend on the food that will be gone in days is infuriating, okay? So I hate it. It's something that I don't like to do. But a few days ago, I went to Sam's. That's where I have to shop because there's so many of them. And so I go and I use the Scan and Go app. So as I'm going, I can just scan it. I'm done. I don't have to wait to the end, unload your cart, and do all the stupid stuff, right? So halfway through, I am getting the notification that, hey, you have 10% of battery left. I'm like, Oh man, okay, I'm gonna do the battery, you know, keep my battery safe, and then I'm gonna turn it off, and then I'm gonna turn it on, and then I'm gonna turn it off, and so I'm going through all of the things. I literally have one item left, and all I have to do is check out, and guess what my phone does? It dies. I was like, okay, I didn't have a thousand other things to do today. This is great. I have to go back up to the, the, the things, pull out everything in my cart, rescan everything. We as people understand the value of keeping our phones charged, right? We don't want that sucker to go dead. We ensure, although my husband, you guys, he stresses me out. He doesn't charge his battery. And so it will be on red all the time. I don't know how people live like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, it's red. I'm plugging it in, not him. Anyway, side note, you're welcome. Two very different people. But we understand the value of charging our phone and making sure that doesn't go empty. But how many of us live our lives on empty? We go through life as if it's no big deal and we're missing it in all reality. Why do we do that? So today I want to take you through a story in the Bible about a woman who is going to give us the information that we need to make sure that our cups are continually refilled. Before I jump into scripture, though, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory into what happened right before I start reading. Now, Abraham, he's the patriarch of Judaism and Christianity. He's well along in years. He has a son named Isaac. 
he has a head servant. He's like, hey, come in here and put your hand under my thigh, first of all. It's what they did in the, that time. Like, I don't understand it. Pastor Dobie, Pastor John can give you the backstory. But anyway, it's what they did to make an oath, okay? It was an important step. I don't know why. Anyway, so he says, hey, I need you to make an oath that you will go and find my son Isaac a wife. Not from where we are, not from the Canaanite people. I want you to go back to my people, to my family. This is a long journey, okay? I need you to swear that you're going to do this. He says, well, what if the woman refuses to come back with me? He says, that's fine. You'll be released from your oath. You've done what I've asked you to do, but don't take my son back there. So the servant loads up 10 camels worth of gifts. I want some 10 camels worth of gifts, you know? That's what, that's what Andre should have done when he was coming to, to court me. Give me 10 camels worth of gifts. I am worth it. Anyway, sorry. Side note again. You're welcome. So he loads up 10 camels, and he travels a long way. I think Pastor John says it was like 3,000 miles. I didn't Google all of that, but... He travels a long distance. When he gets to the place, he stops at a well. During that time, there was no running water. They had to go out to the well, and the women would do that a couple of times during the day. He arrived at a specific time where the women would be coming out. So he said, God, if this is your will, be favorable favorable upon me. Bring out a woman who will not only give me water, but will water my camels. And God's like, okay, I can absolutely do that. So this is where our story begins. In Genesis 24, 15 through 22. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, I'm not good with the names, go with it, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden who no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew water for all of his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arm weighing ten gold shekels. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity. God, I just ask that as I'm speaking, that they be your words. God, that you bring clarity, that you bring a, a word that every single person can receive. Soften our hearts, soften our ears to hear in a way that only you can do, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. When we run on an empty cup, I don't know about you, it's happened in my life before, but there's times where I, I just run and I'm just doing all of the things and I don't realize necessarily that my cup is empty until I'm starting to get a little bit more short with my kids, until the world seems like it's a little too overwhelming, until the things hit the fan and then I'm losing my mind. I'm losing control is how I feel. Now, in our story, Rebecca is going to be a great example because while she emptied her cup, she was also really great about refilling it as well. So we have hope then. If she can do it, we can do it. 
She was charged with gathering water from the well for her family. But in order to help this traveler, she had to stop the good thing that she was doing in order to do the better thing. So what are the things in our lives that we must stop doing in order to be refilled? Refilled. Now, before you start jumping to your long list of laundry things that you can take off of your list, I want you to understand that first and foremost, sin is going to prevent you from fully being refilled, okay? In Isaiah 59, it says, your iniquities have separated you from God. Sin separates us from God. So if we have sin in our lives, we will not be able to completely refill our cup in the way that we are meant to do it. So when we have sin, we must confess and we must repent. It's a two-part process. Oftentimes I think we come and we're like, oh God, forgive me, I'm so sorry, I messed up. And then we keep doing what we're doing. You miss out on the fact that confession will shed light on the situation, but repentance brings the change that is necessary, a change in mind, which leads to a change in action. We must have both in order for this process to do what it's supposed to do. Now, as Christians, we should be living this lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of confession and repentance. What I may have needed to confess for 10 years ago is not what I'm confessing right now, but I'm going through the process of ensuring that my heart is soft. Why? We are never going to be perfect on this side of heaven. We should be growing. We should be changing. And the only way that we're doing that is to say, search me, oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because there are times when we're blind to our sin, right? We're like, oh no, I'm good. Stop saying we're good. We're not good. We are never going to be perfect on this side of heaven. So if we walk around with that mentality, not to beat ourselves up over the head, but to truly say, I want to be better. I want to grow. I want to mature. And the only way that I can do that is to go to the Father and have him search me. So first we need to stop running from the Father and start running to him. He's good with our mess, you guys. He wants us to come in our mess. What we try and hide, he's like, would you just come? You can't do it in your own strength. But if you would come to me, I'm going to love you right where you're at. He died when we were sinners, not when we were perfect. So he has no expectation of you being perfect before you come to him. So there are areas inward that we need to look and that we must stop doing. But there's also areas outside of ourselves that we may need to look at as well. Now, we live in a culture that is busy. Everything we do, we're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm busy too. That's great. I know, right? Like we pride ourselves on our busyness and it's so ridiculous. We have work. We have kids to run. We have things to do. Everything we do, we do and we do. And sometimes the pride of a mother is, oh, well, I just, you're just so amazing. I don't know how you do it all. I thank you. What? What is wrong with us? That is not something that we should be happy about. It's not necessarily something that we want, right? Nobody really wants to necessarily be running from one thing to another constantly, but it's something that happens, something that we need to be aware of, and something that we need to start saying no to. Is there some no's in your life that need to be happening? No to the PTA. No to that extra task at work. No to your child being in another sport or activity. So you have to run 15 more times 
It doesn't make sense why we do it. Yes, I want the best for my children, but I also want to survive the years with my children. Can I be, am I the only person? Okay, good. I feel good about that. The problem is when we are running to this, to that, to everything, we start to empty our cups so quickly that it is impossible to keep up with the refilling. You don't have time. You're expecting something to stop, but you don't take the time to evaluate the priorities and the things that need to stop. So you cannot be refilled. And when that happens, we end up having leftovers. We end up giving our emptiness to the people that matter the most. My kids get my leftovers. My husband gets my leftovers because I'm exhausted. I can't do one more thing. I can't play this game with you. I have been running all day. My mind is just fried. Why are we giving the leftovers to the people that matter the most and the best of us to the people who are outliers in all reality? God has called us to specific people, to a specific purpose, and we miss out on that opportunity to give them the concentrated best of us because we are so worried about all of the tasks and things that need to be done. I get it. I've been there. I've done it. I'm doing it. But we have to wake up and recognize it and start to fix the situation instead of ignoring it like it doesn't matter. Who's getting the best of you? It should be the people in our lives. So what are the things that you need to stop doing for the better thing? It reminds me of the story of Martha and Mary. Jesus was in their home. Now, Martha was running around trying to get everything done, make everything perfect, make sure everybody, are you good? You, feel, you got your water? You got everything? You're good? Yeah, great. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I am usually Martha. I want to make sure, every, are you good? I, I have harmony high in my, in my strengths. And so I would probably be that Martha if I'm being honest with you. So she goes to Jesus and she's like, Jesus! Why are you making her get up and help me? That's literally how it it sounds in my mind. Um, But this is what Jesus says in Luke 10, 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. I don't know about you, but how many of us are worried and upset about all of the tasks What are those things that you need to stop doing in order to do the better thing? So that's first. There are things in our lives that we must stop doing in order to be refilled. But then we also need to be willing to do the work. There is work involved to refill our cups. Rebecca was not a stranger to work. She would be watering, or get, gathering water, but there were a lot of other chores that she needed to do in her family. She knew the value of work, and she knew she wasn't going to take the easy way out. How do I know this? I did some research on what it would take to actually water a camel. You have to understand that there are 10 camels. One camel can drink 40 gallons of water 40 gallons of water if they've been traveling through the desert for at least 10 days, which they had been. So she would have a clay jar that held anywhere from three to five gallons. I'm going to say three because it makes it more dramatic, and that's my life. So she had a, she had a clay jar that would hold three gallons of water. 
That would mean that she would have to take 133 trips down to the well all the way back to the trough. But guess what? It wasn't just like, oh, let me just gather this and I'm going to dump it right here. It says that she ran to the well. That would then mean that that was a distance between the trough. It's not like I can just top speed. I'm not flash, right? She wasn't flash. It took a little bit of distance in order to gather up a run. So this would be work. It was not something that was going to simply be easy, that she would just dump it over. No big deal. But she finished the work. She didn't skimp on the work. She waited. That was 400 gallons of water at least that she took to these camels. There is some work required from us in order to properly be refilled. It's not up to your spouse. It's not up to your parent. It's not up to your kid. It is up to you. You have the skin in the game. I can't refill your cup. It is your responsibility. The work necessary to refill us is simple. But as Pastor John says, sometimes the simple thing isn't always the easiest thing. Why? Because it takes time. It takes awareness. It takes relationship. Relationship doesn't happen overnight. It's cultivated over time. So first, we need a relationship with the Lord. But that's just the beginning. When we ask him into our heart, that's the beginning. You need to look at this as if it's a marriage. When I said I do to Andre, it doesn't mean I have to stop working. It means I have to work a whole lot harder to get this thing to work between us, right? It's cultivating intimacy. It's cultivating that relationship, that trust. It doesn't happen overnight. And yet, when it comes to our time with Jesus, do we look at it the same way. So last week, Pastor John did a fantastic job of talking about intimacy. It was probably one of my favorite sermons that he's done, Um, not just because he calls himself a pimp and that we treat God like a prostitute. That's only part of the reason. But honestly, because he unpacked intimacy in such a relevant way that it sticks. So if you haven't gone back to watch that, you need to. I strongly encourage you. Literally one of my favorite things that he's done. But we have to create this intimacy with God. How do we do that? One of the ways is through communication. Pastor John says, we know all of the voices of those famous pastors, but how well do we know the voice of the Father? In Luke 5, 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. It doesn't say Jesus withdrew to the altar. It doesn't say Jesus withdrew to the church. It doesn't say Jesus withdrew to a person that could tell them what Jesus was saying. Jesus withdrew. He went to a place alone to meet with his father. So if he needs time alone to meet with his father, Jesus, how much more then do we need that? Listen, we are waiting for us to fall on our knees and feel all of the things when God is speaking to you. And that happens. Don't get me wrong. But can I be honest with you? The way that I most often hear from the Lord is when I'm reading his Bible. And there's a verse that comes alive to me in such a way that I needed it that moment. There are ways that he speaks to me in a song. There are ways that he speaks to me in a sunset or a sunrise or art or whatever that is. God is always speaking. He is always speaking, but it is us up to us to listen. It is up to us to expect him to speak, and then it is up to us 
to create that relationship, to spend time with him. Those are the things that we need. If a stranger calls me and starts to talk to me, I have no idea who that is, right? But if Andre calls, I know who that is. I am intimate with him. I know him. We have to, what work are you doing to hear from the Father? Are you reading? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? What are you doing? It's not about the doing all the time, but it is about creating that relationship. You can't create a relationship, a deep relationship, without doing something on your part. It's up to us. We are as intimate with the Father as we want to be. Listen, I know that that sounds harsh, but it is so accurate. When the veil was torn, we received unrestricted access to God. That means that we can go to him at any point in time, at any moment, and meet with him. He is always willing. He's like the 24-hour drive-thru. He's always open. But we must go and receive that which he wants to give us. As a mom, I understand how difficult it can be. I've had three under three. I have five children. Time and activities and all of the things. I understand what it takes. I also understand that there are seasons in your life and time with Jesus that need to be evaluated. So I understand that there are certain seasons where my time with Jesus looks a little bit different than my time with Jesus right now. I'm not getting down on myself. I'm not beating myself up over the time and, oh, well, this was interrupted and then this was interrupted. What is a priority to you? I know that stinks too sometimes because you're like, I have all of the things to do. I don't have time for this. Stop saying that. (laughs) If we are really on, okay, anybody work out in here? No. Good. I understand. Uh, listen, I say it all the time. I just don't have time to do that. Okay, but then I started doing it. And I was like, suddenly I have time. I didn't invent some time machine, guys. I made it a priority in my life. What are you doing to make it a priority to spend time with Jesus? No, it may not look like an hour a day. It may not look like everybody else's. But what is that quality time that you are getting with Jesus to not only say, hey, this is where I'm at, God, but where are you at? Let me listen to the things that you want to say. Let me hear the words that you want to speak to me today. It's not about the amount of time, but what are you, what time are you creating? What space are you creating for that time? We must do the work in order to allow him to refill our cups. So it's not just about Jesus time, Jesus time, number one, right? But then two, there's also this little thing called self-care. Self-care is not something that I necessarily did well for a very long time, right? Because I would feel guilty. I don't deserve this. Like, I should be doting on my children all the time, or I should be whatever that case may be. But if you are not taking care of yourself, you are not going to be around to take care of those around you. In Genesis 2.2, it says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. It doesn't say that he tried to get the laundry down, he tried to meal prep, he tried to get everything else done that he didn't get done in the week. It says he rested. We recently finished a book called Emotionally Healthy Leader and as a staff, and he devoted an entire chapter to the Sabbath. Why? Because it's that important. Now, he breaks down the Sabbath in this way. He says that we stop doing work unpaid, unpaid, and paid 
for 24 hours. Then we're going to rest. That's three. Come with me here. One, two. We rest, okay? Now, when we rest, we are going to engage in the activities that restore us, okay? That replenish us. Then we're going to delight. We delight in his gifts to us. That's people. That's places. That's things that we get joy, that we get delight from. And then we contemplate. We ponder about the love of God. We don't take time off from God. We involve him in everything that we're doing. Listen, it's not necessarily, I'm going to sit and read my Bible for 24 hours a day. If you do that, fantastic. That's a great thing to do. But it's really about, yes, I'm spending time with Jesus, and then I'm going to restore myself. I'm going to replenish myself. When I first heard this, I was like, there's absolutely no way I can do this. 24 hours, that's ridiculous. Can I tell you, I can't live without that 24 hours now. I am actually more productive and focused about getting my stuff done so nothing is looming over my head. It doesn't mean that I just sit there and I do nothing. I literally, I'm spending time with my family. I'm spending time with my husband. I'm eating. That's my favorite thing. Um, And I'm doing shopping. I'm doing whatever that is that I take delight in. That's all it takes. But we need to stop saying, I don't deserve this coffee. I don't deserve to go buy myself something at Target. That's not what it's about, okay? What is going to feel, feed you? What is going to replenish you during this time? If you have to start small, fine. Start small. Take a shower by yourself. Or not. If you're married. Right? So what are those things that can replenish you? What are those things that will refuel you? The main thing is stopping, stopping work and delighting. It's refueling. We must take care of ourselves, okay? It's not going to happen naturally. It's something that we cultivate and take time to do. Listen, we have to make the time to do this. We cannot skimp. We cannot take the easy way out of these things. You put in the effort. What you put into it is what you get out of it. It's what Pastor Angel says all the time. So this brings me to my last point. Rebecca did more than the bare minimum. Are you doing the bare minimum in your life right now? All she was technically required to do was to offer the traveler water. She decided to go above and beyond and water the camels. She had a choice. She didn't have to. She very well could have just gave water to the traveler and have a great day. See you later. She didn't. You have a choice as well. You get to choose whether you're going to do the bare minimum or if you are going to go above and beyond. There are seasons in our life where something will sustain us, right? Um, When I first became a Christian, I would go to church weekly, right? I felt like that sustained me for the week. But then I started to mature, okay? And I understood that that doesn't sustain me like I thought it did. We need more than that. We need to be reading. We need to be praying. We need to be worshiping outside of church. So Paul says, as an infant, we needed milk. But as we grow and mature, we go on to solid food. What does that mean? You come to church, we're giving you milk. It's up to you if you want to switch to some solid food and go out and do something with you. As Pastor Angel always says, listen, I'm tired of being a mama bird and throwing up in your mouth. That is a very clear, vivid thing. That's what it's like when you just come to church on Sundays and you receive 
It's not a bad thing, but there's more to it than that. You need to grow. You need to mature. You need to start taking on some solid food. You need to chew on the word of God because that's what we're required to do. Church is not meant to sustain you. It's to wet your palate for you to go out and do more, to search, to find the answers for yourself, to allow God to speak to you in the week. We need to get past the bare minimum of feeding ourselves. We need to get hungry for more. I'm not going to give you a list of all of the bare minimums, right? Because we all know when we're coasting. We all know when we're falling short of what we need to do. But when you live a life of minimum, you receive minimum. When you live a life of minimum, you receive minimum. Not because God doesn't want to give you more, but because all you're doing is the minimum. That's all he can give back to you. Why would we live a life of minimum when he has paid for abundance? We don't have to walk out this life the way that we are constantly walking out, kicking the can, kicking the can. That's not what it's about. He's here to give us freedom. He's here to give us joy and peace and love in abundance. But it requires us to do more than the bare minimum, to cultivate that relationship. Let's stop living the life of a minimum of minimum and start living a life of abundance. So I want to give you an illustration this morning. Hopefully, Christian swears that you're going to be able to see this. You guys, my son, he was so amazing. He helped me this week with all of these little holes. It was actually kind of right up his alley because you had to take something and burn it to put it in there. Thanks, Smiles. You're the best. Okay. Oh, that could have been messy. Okay. So this is what we end up doing. Here's the bare minimum, okay? Now, if I do the bare minimum... It's going to give me a swig of water. It's going to give me a little bit, right? It's not going to quench my thirst. So I'm like, okay, actually, you know what? Fill me up. I want all of it. Give it to me. Great. I want it. Fill it. Perfect. There's no holes in this cup. What I've done is I filled myself up, but I am not giving back anything that the Lord has given me. We are called to, once we receive, to then give back what we receive. But what we'll do is we're like, actually, I'm going to fill my cup. It's for me. We hoard the, the, the gifts and the, the spirit that, the, that God has given us. What happens when water is, is not refilled? It just sits there. It becomes stagnant. It film, like a film layer kind of forms on it, right? It becomes like a lake. We're fat Christians, as Pastor John says. We become fat Christians, hoarding all of the giftings that God has given us when we were never required to do that in the You know what I mean? Okay? We were meant to be rivers, not lakes. We should be giving back that which we receive. Okay, well, what about... I think it's this one. Let's go with it. Okay, so I'm filling, right? I'm able to completely fill my cup. Why? I have concentrated where I am pouring out. The best of me is given to the people that matter most. I'm really sorry if anybody has to go to the restroom right now. You're not, a, you're not allowed to leave. I'm giving the best of me to those who matter most. I'm pouring out that which I was given to those who matter. What about this one? I have all the holes. I'm involved in all of the things, all of the tasks. I have to get everything done. I can't even fill my cup. This is what we end up doing all of the time. All of the me is being poured out to everything. I'm watering everybody's flowers instead of watering my own. What cup are you today? Are you stagnant? 
That's not how, listen, we can actually transition between any one of these cups daily, weekly, whatever. We've all been guilty of it. But the good news is you don't have to stay that way. When we have our cup full, the chaos of this world doesn't seem so chaotic. You have to be full every single day. This last Monday, I had the privilege of having my car broken into. They decided to um, not steal anything because I literally have nothing in my car to steal. They took a screwdriver, shoved it in there, they broke the steering column, they broke the key port, whatever it's called, right? Now, I had a sermon to prep for, I had groceries to buy, children to pick up, a soccer game to go to, all of the things, right? In that moment, if I was empty, do you know what would have been happening? I lost my mind. Everything is falling apart, God. Why are you why are you allowing these things to happen to me? And I just can't. <sighs> when I am empty, everything is chaotic. But thankfully, my cup was full. Yes, I cried. Yes, I was upset, right? But it didn't rock me. My foundation was set. I knew that God was going to bring about the good because I trust in a father who cares so much for the lilies of the valley that he cares for me, that he's going to take care of everything that I need the moment that I need it. But I'm anchored in him. My cup is full. Yeah, I kind of cried. Yeah, I threw a fit a little bit. But it didn't rock me. It didn't shake me. So when the chaos of this world comes, what are you doing in those moments? Did you know that you can be refilled just like Rebecca was? In that moment, okay, God, this sucks. I need you to come in. I need an extra dose of your Holy Spirit. Come in. Refill me in that moment. In John 17, it says, Jesus said, I am leaving so that you might have a helper. You might have somebody that can be with you at any moment in time. That's not stuck to time. That's not stuck to people, but can be with you at any moment in time. He says that he came and he gives his spirit without measure. That means that he's not going to limit the amount of spirit that you can get. Not only that, he says you can receive this spirit continuously. But then, guess what? In John 4, he says, I am the living water that you will never thirst again. So you're telling me I can have a continuous outflowing of your spirit at any point in time. You are always with me, and all I have to do is come to you? Sign me up. As Pastor Doby said, why would we not want to partake in this, this helper that will walk alongside of me, giving me wisdom, giving me peace, giving me the very thing I need the moment that I need it. You receive the Holy Spirit the moment that you ask him to be your Lord and Savior, but that's just the beginning. You don't have to stay with that that spirit, right? We don't want to be this stagnant spirit. You want to know what grows in stagnant water? Mosquitoes. Mosquitoes are blood suckers. They are life suckers, okay? Have you ever met a Christian that's a life sucker? I wonder how well their water is. Is it flowing? Is it stagnant? Are you sitting there trying to live off of the spirit that he gave you when you first were saved? That is not the life that he paid for. He wants to give you over and above anything you can ask or imagine, We don't have to live off of the spirit that he gave us when we were first saved. Don't be a life sucker. Be refilled continuously by his spirit. I know I've been talking a lot to the moms today, but listen to me. This is for everyone. Where are you at with your cup? 
Are you doing the bare minimum expecting abundance? Are you doing the work to cultivate this relationship, to cultivate this intimacy? What do you need to stop doing in your life in order to fully be refilled? Is it activities? Is it sin? Luis, you can come on back up. What is it that you need to do in order to fully be refilled this morning? If you aren't even sure, do you know that we have a Heavenly Father who is so gracious? He will say, okay, here it is. All you have to do is ask me. We don't have to be blind to our blind spots because we have a Father who sees all and knows all. It just requires us asking a question. So this morning, let's stand. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what cup needs to be filled, what cup you are currently at. Are you pouring out too much? We need to be living this lifestyle of being full. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you come and you don't expect us to live off of a halfway filled cup, a life that is less than abundant. Father God, would you reveal the things that we may need to stop doing in order to completely be refilled? Will you show us the areas that maybe we're not working as hard as we should be or doing anything for that matter, doing the bare minimum and we're expecting the abundance that you paid for and you cannot give that which we don't try and receive, Lord. God, would you stir our hearts Would you speak to us right now and reveal the things that need to be revealed? And Father God, I pray that you would unveil within us the unlimited riches of your glory and favor until supernatural strength floods our innermost being with your divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using our faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of us. And the resting place of your love will become the very source and root of our lives. Then we can be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences, the great magnitude of your astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is your love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love will pour into us until we are filled to overflowing with the fullness of who you are. God, I ask that you fill us to overflowing with the fullness of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed this morning. Happy Mother's Day. Mothers, if you haven't gotten a cup, there's some right outside in the cloud. Grab a cup. Be blessed today. In Jesus' name. Dream City Omaha is here to help you discover Christ, recover your identity, and uncover your purpose. We encourage you to check out our past sermon series and our discipleship classes. And don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date.